Welcome to Parents' Rights Now, a production of Parents' Rights in Education, hosted by Suzanne Gallagher. We are committed to valuing students, empowering parents, and supporting communities to secure great educations for public school children in America. PRE welcomes all students, families, and community members who care about scholastic success for K-12 public school students. Visit our website, parentsrightsined.org, and like us on Facebook. Join us by filling out the form on our website titled, Join Us. You will find information regarding issues and information about local and state chapters. Hey, everybody. Today is the 12th of October. A couple of articles have come to my attention that I wanted to share with you. One came out over a month ago, and the other one just recently. We've been following these stories uncovered by Christopher Rufo. The first one, titled Unholy Alliance, featuring a Chicago children's gender clinic partnering with local K-12 public schools to promote gender transitioning. And the second is titled Suppression Campaign, featuring an effort by medical associations working with the Federal Justice Department and Merrick Garland, Attorney General, to censor journalists from exposing the practice of recruitment of minors to sign up for experimental gender surgeries, most often against their parents' wishes. The largest children's hospital in Chicago has created partnerships with local school districts to promote radical gender theory, which includes kink, BDSM, and trans-friendly sex toys for children. Now, Christopher Rufo obtained insider documents that reveal troubling collaboration between gender activists at Lurie, that's spelled L-U-R-I-E, Children's Hospital of Chicago, and the school administrators throughout the Chicago area. According to these documents and a review of school district websites, Lurie's Children's Hospital has provided materials to school leaders promoting radical gender theory, trans activism, and sexually explicit materials in at least four Chicago area public school systems. Now, those are the ones that he has substantiated. There probably are more and in other areas as well. So they included uh, District 75, 120, 181, and 204. According to the whistleblower, these documents were circulated to administrators, teachers, and other staff at the middle school and high school level as part of ongoing employee training programs. The primary training document, called Beyond Binary Gender in Schools, follows the basic narrative of academic queer theory, and that is, white Western society has created an oppressive gender binary, falsely dividing the world into the categories of man and woman that has resulted in transphobia, cis-sexism, and systemic discrimination against racial and sexual minorities. Versions of the document were attributed to Jennifer Leininger, Associate Director of Lurie's Community Programs and Initiatives, and Hadiyah Safi, 
a non-binary gender activist who uses they, them pronouns and works for the hospital's LGBTQ and gender inclusion program, which advertises its care for children with gender expansive identities and offers gender affirming medical procedures, including puberty blockers for children. This presentation encourages teachers and school administrators to support gender diversity in their districts, automatically affirm students who announce sexual transitions and communicate a non-binary understanding of gender to children in the classrooms. The objective, as one version of the presentation suggests, is to disrupt the entrenched gender norms in Western society and facilitate the transition to a more gender-creative world. Okay, I'm going to stop here because this really feels and appears to be uh, uh, like I'm having some out-of-body experience here listening to this. If I were you, I would think that. It is absolute insanity. Okay, I'm going on. In at least two districts, the activist at Lurie Children's Hospital also recommended that teachers offer a series of sexually explicit resources to children as young as 11. At the end of the Beyond Binary presentation circulated to teachers in District 75 and District 120, the hospital recommended a binder exchange program. To assist teenage girls in binding their breasts, a kid-friendly website for gender-affirming gear, which sells items such as artificial penis packers to female-to-male trans mask pumps, and an LGBTQ-friendly sex shop for teens that sells a range of dildos, vibrators, harnesses, anal toys, trans-friendly toys, in kink and BDSM equipment. The links include graphic descriptions of sadomasochism, bondage, pornography, and transgressive sex. In addition to these materials on gender theory, Lurie Children's Hospital has also publicly released a policy guide for school administrators encouraging districts to adopt a gender-affirming approach to the curriculum and provide gender-affirming children's books in school libraries and allow students to compete in athletic events, used restroom and locker rooms, and sleep in bunks during overnight school trips in accordance with their gender identity rather than their biological sex. The hospital also encourages school districts to designate special gender support coordinators to help facilitate children's sexual and gender transitions which, under the recommended confidentiality policy, can be kept secret from parents and families. District staff shall not disclose a student's transgender identity, the policy reads, before contacting the parents, guardians of a student who is transgender or gender nonconforming. District staff should ask the student what name and pronouns they would like school officials to use in communications with their parents. How dare they? Amazing. Beyond the lurid nature of some of the content, 
these documents reveal a profoundly disturbing collusion between radical gender activists in the medical system and the public school bureaucracy. They have laundered the promotion of queer theory, synthetic sexual identities, and child sex toys under the guise of health and education, devoting significant resources toward building what policy analyst Laura Sapir has called school-to-clinic pipeline. The process is simple. Children learn about and adopt gender-expansive identities in schools, which then direct them to gender clinics that can provide puberty blockers, hormone therapies, surgeries, and drug regimes that often add up to hundreds of thousands of dollars in costs over time. This is a scandal. The cynical interpretation of this pipeline would suggest that it is driven by the profit motive, but another current is ideological. Radical gender activists believe they are in a struggle for liberation from the system of, quote, cis-heteropatriarchy. Unquote. And each gender nonconforming child is another tool in that fight. We agree with you, Christopher Rufo, 110,000%. This is a pipeline, school to clinic. So sad. Enter. The American Medical Association, who is asking the federal government to prosecute critics, including Christopher Rufo, of course, of radical gender medicine. Last week, the AMA, the Children's Hospital Association, and the American Academy of Pediatrics sent a letter to the U.S. Attorney General, Merrick Garland, requesting that that the Department of Justice take swift action to investigate and prosecute high-profile, which last time I checked, high-profile is not illegal, users on social media who have allegedly created a campaign of disinformation against children's hospitals that offer gender-affirming health care leading to threats and harassment, including a bomb threat hoax at Boston Children's Hospital. Here's the thing. They're calling it health care, gender-affirming health care. And we disagree that it's health care. The letter poses three significant problems. First, the medical associations obscure the radical nature of so-called gender-affirming care. The basic facts, which have caused justifiable public outrage, are well-established. According to the medical literature, American doctors have been administering puberty blockers, hormone therapies, and experimental gender surgeries on minors, including bilateral mastectomies for girls, which involves surgically removing the breasts in vaginoplasties for boys, 
which involves surgically removing the penis and turning the tissue into an artificial vagina. Despite what trans activists have insisted, the medical evidence to support these procedures for minors is thin, weak, and contested, and medical authorities in Europe have recently turned against many of these practices. Since the AMA, CHA, and AAP provide no evidence or even a working definition of disinformation, the high-profile users on social media would undoubtedly include those of us who have published investigative reporting on radical gender medicine at children's hospitals, often using original source materials, by the way, published by those hospitals themselves. Rather than grapple with the facts, however, Left-wing activists and medical providers have dismissed them with accusations of disinformation. That's all they got? That's all they've got. And even when journalists have directly quoted their own words, this unsubstantiated accusation of disinformation is even more troubling. Here's why. In addition to asking the Justice Department for investigations on these vague and undefined grounds, The medical associations also asked technology companies to remove critics of gender-affirming care from social media platforms, an essential public forum. See what's going on here? It's all about the money. Third, The call to investigate and prosecute journalists, activists, and citizens critical of radical gender medicine, that of course would include me, is wholly contrary to the principles of free speech. If the Attorney General were to carry out this request, it would be a violation of the First Amendment and a blatant attempt to criminalize political opposition and intellectual debate. And at their founding, these three medical associations embraced the idea that they should be nonpartisan, neutral, and driven by scientific evidence. Ha! Huh! But by issuing this reckless call to prosecute critics, they have revealed themselves to be hostile to open debate and free scientific inquiry. Bingo! They are behaving like dangerous ideologues rather than custodians of the public trust. Ultimately, the Attorney General, Garland, will decide whether to heed the AMA letter's recommendation and begin prosecuting critics of radical gender medicine. On the surface, it would seem like a fool's errand. There is no legal basis for prosecuting journalists for engaging in public criticism on a controversial topic. But Garland's Justice Department has a troubling history of using the power of law enforcement to intimidate political opponents. As we remember last year, using a letter from the National School Board Association as a pretext. Merrick Garland mobilized the FBI counterterrorism division against conservative parents, you and me, who were protesting at school board meetings about critical race theory in the classroom. Is Garland following the same playbook with the AMA? Sure looks like it, doesn't it? To answer that question, 
Now, this is Rufo speaking. He says he's preparing a public records request to discover whether the Department of Justice had prior knowledge of the AMA's campaign to silence journalists, as it did with the National School Board Association. That's right. Garland knew in advance what was coming. Okay, either way, the intention of this gambit is clear. The most powerful medical and political authorities in the nation would like to make experimental gender surgeries a forbidden topic of debate. Well, that isn't going to happen, isn't it? Not as long as we're around. Criticals of radical gender medicine should remember that we are the underdogs. The AMA has a $460 million annual budget, and the Attorney General has the entire federal law enforcement apparatus at its disposal. But still, the only way forward is to hold fast against their malicious intimidation campaign. And if they believe that puberty blockers, hormone treatments, and genital surgeries are the best treatments for gender dysphoric minors... Let them defend those practices in public, not silence or jail critics. Another brilliant report, both of these reports, by Christopher Rufo. We want to give him all the credit. He's, he's brilliant. He's fabulous. We love him. Wow. I'm fired up. Are you? This is Parents' Rights Now. Please check your show notes for links pertinent to this podcast. Please consider making a monthly contribution to Parents' Rights in Education. We need your help. We have big plans in mind. And because of a very generous one-time contribution of $25,000, we are challenging our listeners and our readers, all of our supporters, to match that gives $12 a month. If there were only 500 of you, that would tally up to $6,000 a month, almost tripling the $25,000 check we just received in one year. Be part of that club. We call it the 12 by 12 club. A link to our website is in the show notes or go to parentsrightsined.org. See you soon.